Okay, how's it going, everybody? I hope all is well. And again, thanks for listening. Okay, so in this episode, I thought I'd briefly say something about a question that's often asked and, uh, and discussed in the philosophical literature. Namely, can there be such a thing as a happy immoralist? In other words, can a bad or evil person be happy? Or can you only be truly happy if you're a, a morally good person? Well, okay, so let me sort of run through some of that debate. And here I'm actually going to stick close to what uh, two contemporary philosophers have to say about it, namely Stephen Kahn and Jeffrey Murphy. Okay, so imagine someone who has spent his or her whole life devoted to, uh, to getting famous and to getting wealthy and to getting a, a reputation for goodness. But imagine, too, that this person has no real relationships and that he doesn't care about the truth, and that, despite his appearance of goodness, he actually lies and cheats all the time. In fact, he's proud of his, uh, his duplicity and his shallowness. Okay, now, now imagine he's, he's sitting there, in his, uh, in his yacht, say, amongst his other luxuries, smug and, and self-satisfied, basking in his fame and his good reputation. So, Here's the question. Is he happy? Is genuine happiness something that we can attribute to him? Now, no doubt he's, he's enjoying himself and he feels good. But still, is he happy? Can he be happy being the immoralist that he is? Okay, so I'm pretty sure that if, uh, if somebody says that he can't, then there are some of us who might be thinking, well, wait a second. Isn't there some sort of a semantic sleight of hand or, or verbal trickery going on here? In other words, to say that he's not happy would suggest that, that happiness is being defined here in a non-standard way. After all, like I mentioned, this guy is completely satisfied. He's enjoying his life and he doesn't seem to have any worries or regrets whatsoever. So, if he's not genuinely happy then it's hard to make much sense of how it is we use that term. Okay, but then again, maybe things are in fact a little more complicated than this. That is, maybe there are good reasons to think that genuine happiness is incompatible with the, with the life and the character and the intentions of this sort of person. Now certainly that's what the, um, the ancient Greek philosophers believed like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. What they believed is that when you really take the time to think about what happiness involves, then it turns out that it's actually not so easy to attribute happiness to audacious and unscrupulous people, despite what they themselves may feel about themselves and their own life. And they believe that this is what reflecting deeply on concepts like happiness does. It transforms those concepts. Or it brings to our awareness things we hadn't really thought of, but was there all along. So it turns out that for these uh, ancient philosophers, immoralists can't be truly happy for, for a variety of reasons. It might be because, uh, as Plato famously talks about, it might be because though these sorts of people appear content and sound on the outside, so to speak, 
they're not harmoniously integrated on the inside, a condition which, uh, unbeknown to them, is slowly festering and not ultimately conducive to their peace of mind. Or, um, or maybe it's because, and this is something Aristotle says, maybe it's because their lack of authentic relationships prevents them from holding themselves to account or, or bringing out the best in them. Or, or rounding out their potential in ways that would matter to their happiness. Or maybe it's because, though they certainly enjoy the moment, they fail to account for their long-term future or for their life as a whole, a failure which eventually destroys whatever they thought they had. And um, see our very early episode on Solon and Croesus in Herodotus if you want a good example of that. But whatever it is, the larger point here is that for the ancient Greeks, happiness had little to do with with simply having fun, and where it didn't matter the means used to get there. No, happiness was a much deeper and thicker concept than that, and uh, being a good moral person was an inextricable part of it. Actually, you know, the Greeks weren't the, the only ones who believed something like this. In his own way, so did the, the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. So, what he talked about is something that he called um, temporal versus eternal desires. Temporal desires being things associated with uh, things like wealth and fame and power, and eternal desires being things associated with, well, God, of course, but also to all those sorts of emotions which ground or or substantiate the self. Actually, in this uh, dichotomy, I'm reminded of how it is Ernst Becker describes us. He says, we're half animal and half symbolic. Anyway, for, for Kierkegaard, the basic idea was that if you spend your time chasing temporal rather than eternal desires... Two negative consequences will inevitably follow. First of all, because the objects of temporal desires offer us only temporary satisfaction, pursuing them will lead us to to boredom and desperation. In other words, because temporal desires by their very nature are momentary, because they're easily burned up, will not only quickly get bored, but that in turn will leave us in a continual state of desperation to find ways of satisfying new ones. And the, um, the second negative consequence is that because the objects of temporal desires are, are vulnerable to contingencies, to the, to the uncontrollable ups and downs of life, to chase them will mean to always live in despair, to always be in fear of losing them. Now, for Kierkegaard, the basic point here in all of this is that living like this, to live in bondage to the temporal, is to live in a deficient and ultimately unhappy state. It's only when we heed the call of the eternal and those moral emotions in us that return us to our conscience and to our self that we experience a genuine happiness. So all this is just to say that Just because someone looks like they're happy living an immoral or unscrupulous life, it doesn't mean they are, 
according to Kierkegaard. Deep down, there is often repressed fear and a vulnerability and a desperation that mitigates against the the realization of a more genuine happiness. And you know, maybe in the background of all of this is something else in play as well. Namely, something like self-respect. Maybe it's not ultimately possible to be truly happy if we don't value or respect ourselves. I mean, it's an interesting question to ask if, uh, for example, someone like Lance Armstrong, had he never been caught doping, if, all things being equal, he would have lived out the rest of his years blissfully happy. No, I have a sneaking suspicion that he wouldn't have. No, forced or not, without having heeded the call of, as Kierkegaard called them, the emissaries from eternity, I think his happiness may have been just a little bit worse off. (laughs) 